Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Mom's Running It. Today I have with me Noah Kinner from UrbanFitnessOakland.com. How you doing, Noah? I'm well. How are you this morning? Fantastic. So we actually have never met in person, but we met in a unique way. Can I tell that? I suppose so. Uh, okay, so I was the manager for a corporate compliance office. Basically, we maintain people's record books. And one of the things that I really wanted everyone to do was to get to know our clients because we can't ask you for what you need if you don't know what you need. We need to kind of help figure it out, which is sort of fun. And so that began the beginning of my stalking journey in life, uh, which was fantastic. I was hoping you'd use the word stalking. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely, you know, there's some people you're like, oh, that's an interesting client. We all saw Noah and I was like, everybody get over to the screen. <laughs> Good looking, fitness, you know. So, but you offered so much on your site. It was really intriguing. I had done fitness competitions. Uh, the owner of the company, myself, both did triathlons and were runners. So, Anytime you come across another business that kind of speaks to you, that's that's pretty exciting. So that was you. And you are in Oakland. Oakland, California. I came here about 10 years ago. So just to give, I know we're going to go back in your story, but how old are you now? How old do I look like? I'm just kidding. Uh, 30. 35. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I turned 30 on May 1st. Okay. So where did you originally grow up? Because it wasn't California. You moved there at 19. Correct. I originally grew up in New York. Um, I was born upstate. And then uh, when I was about 16, let's see, 17, moved down to Brooklyn and went to school in Manhattan. I went to the French Culinary Institute uh, in Manhattan uh, for restaurant and hotel management through Cornell University. Um, so kind of lived, lived all over the state, but uh, East Coast until I made the road trip out to California at 19. So... I remembered that, and that's really cool, because I'm from New England also, and you and I don't have much of an accent. Uh, if I get drunk or angry. Oh, <laughs> if I get excited, really excited or really yeah. drunk thing. Yeah. Um, so you did the same thing I did. You packed the car and got out of Dodge at some point, and it was with a girl. It was with a girl. I followed a girl, uh, and uh, it did not work out, but I didn't want to go home with my tail between my legs. So, And I'd also opened... Uh, I'd opened my business about two months prior to that. So I was kind of tied in at that point. So now you went to the Culinary Institute. When you got to California, did you open a gym right away? I didn't. I actually started interviewing in hospitality. Um, but hospitality is quite different on the East Coast than it is on the West Coast. And I'm showing up to these interviews in my pinstripe gangster suit that I bought in Union Square from the Russian guy thinking, oh, they're gonna be super impressed. And they're like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he, and they're, why is he so aggressive? And you know, in, in New York, you want an aggressive manager that can handle your team. Here, not so much. They want more of the like, hey, you did a great job, and that was not me. So uh, after a month of interviewing, everybody said, no, we're totally not gonna hire you. Um, I actually got a job as a server um, at, a, uh, at a lunch restaurant for about two months and then uh, was of course super unhappy 
And my girlfriend's like, well, you should start training clients. I'd had a certification from uh, in New York that I got on a dare and never used. So I uh, posted a, an ad in a local building that had a gym in it and picked up 10 clients in one day and kind of never went back. <laughs> so I would say New England's more um, mob gangster and California's more metro. <laughs> I've, le I've learned that. So yeah. Yeah, the suit needs to have a lot less bag to it. No cuff at the bottom and uh, bring the stripes down a little bit. They're a little too aggressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a different world. So I didn't know that you got your certification on a dare. That's, that's fantastic. So you did. You kind of started that. You got your 10 people. You were working in another gym at that point, correct? Yeah. So actually, uh, Jack London, where the current location is, uh, is actually the location is in the building that I started in. So it's a, it's a residential condo building. So the top floors are all residential. The bottom floor is all commercial. And so I approached the uh, leasing manager and said, hey, you can advertise that you have a trainer in the building. Then I'll come in and train your residents in your own gym. And she said, great. So I posted up, excuse me, for an open house. And uh, like I said, uh, picked up about 10 clients that first day and trained basically residents in their own gym for about a year. Uh, before opening the location in the same building in the commercial space downstairs, which uh, is kind of a cheesy story, but I always wanted it and they gave me a key and every few days I'd go in and just uh, I'd look around because it's empty, there's nobody in it. And I'd say, oh, if only I had this. And then a year later, I actually did it. And how, so is that kind of when the breakup happened? So the breakup, yeah. So the breakup happened, um, I moved in June of 07, started training in probably September um, and then opened the location in November of 2007. So let's see, I moved here in June of 06 and opened the gym in, in uh, November of, of 2007. Okay, and then and what, we, we whatever happened to culinary? You're not cooking for anyone anymore? So the culinary, um, so I went for restaurant hotel management. Um, I was always more interested in the front of house side than the back. Um, I didn't have enough of a drug habit to work in the back. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I've always been a people. I love people. I love working with people. I love serving people, making people happy. I've always been a hospitality guy. So uh, I worked in restaurants since I was probably 14, 15. Um, so for me, when I opened the gym, running the gym now is for me just like running a restaurant. It's just we serve fitness instead of food. Um, I know it sounds kind of weird, but, but for me opening the gym, um, it's, it's user experience first content second, which is, uh, one of the, one of the things that really sets, I think this business apart from a lot of other gyms in the industry. Um, I don't wake up every day like, Oh my God, I can't wait to work out. I hate working out. Like it's not a, for me, it's, it's, it's the end goal. And so, I've, uh, our, our culture and brand is kind of connected with people in a different way. Um, than I think a lot of the other uh, businesses in the industry. Well, I would agree with that because I looked at your information and you for, did you, did you help put on a triathlon? Cause we were all, our staff was going to come down. You then were, you not, did. Yeah. I remember that. I know. I'm sorry. I, feel, I, have <laughs> I still to, agreed to be on your podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So what was the deal with the triathlon? Yeah. So basically uh, there was a company that came in and, uh, all they do is host triathlons. And so they came in and said, Hey, we want to run the first triathlon in Oakland and never been done. Um, urban triathlon. So 
they came to us and we were uh, basically the primary, we were the only gym sponsor. Um, so we really helped them. Uh, the whole event was within a four block radius of our facility. So uh, we, we ran a lot of the organization for it. We, you know, had, you know, between aid stations and, and the gym and rest areas, and all kinds of stuff, um, as well as offering um, training leading up to the event and, you know, stretching during the event, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so that was now the um, Urban Fitness is a franchise. It is not. It is not. Nope, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> is it just you? You started that. Yep, just me. Okay, so it was a different company that came in and wanted to do the triathlon. Correct. They okay. they kind of managed the main event. I mean, putting on a triathlon is Huge. a massive, massive thing. You know, Huge. just the logistics of it. So they they're basically the logistics side of the company, okay. um, and we ran a lot of the the content within it. Yep. Okay. All right. I understand now. I thought somehow it was connected to a bigger corporate, but no, which is very cool. So when in all this did you get hit by a car? <laughs> that was at, uh, that was, let's see, how old was I? Uh, the day after my 19th birthday. So in California or back in New England? New York. Okay. New York. Yeah. It was actually pretty funny. I was on my way to a date and, uh, and, uh, I stepped off the curb and a cab came around the corner and nailed me and uh, ended up in the ER and I'm texting her like, Hey, I can't, I can't make it. I got hit by a cab. And she was like, fuck you. If you don't want to see me. And I'm like, oh, I got hit by a cab. It's like, are you serious? And she was like, Oh my God, are you okay? I was like, yeah. But so yeah. So that was the day after my 19th birthday, my insurance ran out on my birthday. So it was kind of a rough. Oh, wow. Place. So yeah. This was before you met the next girl, the other girlfriend and moved to California. How did that affect you physically? Does it still? Which meeting the girl or getting it by the car? <laughs> yeah, either one. Let's go I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the uh, with the car. Um, so the main injury. I mean, I had uh, some 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 uh, soft tissue damage in the left side of my body that hit. But the main was uh, the cab. It ran over my foot with the front tire, and then my foot twisted and it ran over the, the, the back tire. So the main damage was the fifth metatarsal, the tendon, uh, tore off with bone fragments. So I had to get two screws to screw it back together. Okay. Um, so the whole process was about six months. Um, I was in different casts and boots for about four, four to five. It was a little shit, 11 years ago now. Um, and I remember getting, I got it, I got the screws in, I got it casted and I think I was, cause you gotta understand at that age, not being able to drive, not being able to, I mean, it's your life is over, right? Right. So I think I was two weeks in and I was house sitting and I was like, I'm gonna have a house party. And I remember some kids were coming to the party and they were two driveways up, tried to turn around and back their little two-door up onto a, onto a stump. And for some stupid reason, I went up and was like, oh, I'm totally gonna help you guys. And on one foot, went to pick up the back of the car, it went off the stump and landed on my cast. And I felt it move. And I was like, oh my God, no. So I had to go back to the doctor and they x-rayed it. They're like, what is wrong with you? And the screw had moved a little bit, but not enough for them to redo it. My mother was livid. Um, but yeah, so that whole process was about, was about six months. They did a lot of PT to learn how to walk again, a lot of atrophy in the, in the right leg. Um, and then in terms of ongoing, to be honest with you, uh, in my PT, we really never did a lot of work uh, on my left side, which uh, I've used uh, that example quite a bit in my career and what I do now, which is... Um, I jumped around 200 and at the time, 220 pounds on my left leg for essentially six months, um, which caused quite a bit of, uh, not so much damage, but stress and compensation to the left side of my body, which 
came up in some fairly serious ways when I got to California. Um, it presented itself in serious ways, but it was just, I needed to do quite a bit of work to bring balance back um, after going through that. So at this point, if it rains, I have some arthritis in, in my right foot, my right ankle a little bit, pops in ways that scare people, but it doesn't hurt that much. Um, and yeah, I mean, otherwise, physically and what I do now, it doesn't affect me, it doesn't restrict me in any kind of way. But it does make you a better trainer. For me, it's definitely one of the, it's definitely one of the uh, experiences that I draw on to, to work with people and explain, um, you know, that are either going through serious injuries or even less serious injuries, just understanding what happens when the body um, experiences pain or discomfort and kind of how it reacts and what you need to do to uh, help get it back to where it should be. Um, and really understanding that just because on the outside things might feel fine or look fine, quote unquote look fine, um, what's actually going on inside could, po could potentially be very different and just to understand that and recognize that. Right. And it's hard to slow down for those of us who are athletic. I it's, broke my foot almost two years ago. I was in a cast boot for six months. Yeah. It's really hard to slow down. I, I mean, and I was running probably 50 miles a week at the time. Yeah. And I, so I ate like I was running 50 miles a week. And but then, you were. <laughs> you know, it was 13 pounds. I gained 13 pounds. But right. for an athlete who's used to looking and feeling a certain way, that was devast it's devastating. It's yeah. devastating to have to switch gears and do something different. So I think that perspective is always great, that empathy and compassion towards other people. Yeah. Now, so you lived there and you had the gym, but you ended up, having to live, you lived in your gym for two years. Yeah. So, so when and why was that? <laughs> so basically, uh, moved to California. Uh, we didn't have anywhere to, we didn't have jobs lined up or anything. My uh, girlfriend that I moved with is from here. So I basically followed her back. Um, right. She lived in, um, her family lived in Palo Alto. So going from New York to Palo Alto was quite a, quite a uh, culture shock for me. Um, definitely living in an environment that I did not grow up in. Um, and we're, you know, we lived, we lived in her parents' house for a month. And of course, looking back now, I totally get it. But her parents are like, what are you doing with this guy? Like what, you know, and I remember her dad, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, I don't know, maybe we went boxer. I don't know. And he's like, what? Like, you know, his daughter went to Cornell. She's operations research engineers. You're going to do big things. Like, what are you doing with this guy? Right. So finally, after about a month, uh, we moved to Jack London. Um, and I basically moved with a bag of clothes from New York. I didn't know it was going to happen, whether I was going to go back or whatever else. Um, so uh, we started living here. That's when I started working at the restaurant. So I basically contributed half the rent, but I didn't have any money. I didn't move with any money. So all of the furnishings, all of the, everything we had in the apartment was hers. So when we broke up in January of 08, so just a couple months after opening the gym here, uh, we broke up, she moved out. I literally was like, Hey, can I borrow a sleeping bag and some dishes? Um, it took me a year to get the dishes back to her. Um, the gym space is a live work, uh, zoned as live work. I, I got it zoned as live work. It was one of the, one of my conditions on the lease that I signed. Um, so I had a little mini kitchen and the bathroom had a shower in it. So everything I owned went in a four by three closet and I slept on the couch and then I'd get up at four 30 in the morning, pack everything up, put it in the closet. And the clients had no idea. So Besides the random, like, why is there candle wax over here? Like, what? I don't know. Like, you know, that, <laughs> I stayed by, the occasional wine bottle left out because that was my house, right? Like, I'm not going to stop living. So 
um, to be completely honest with you, I loved it. I, I loved, uh, it was just simple. I mean, I, I trained until about nine, sometimes 10 o'clock at night. Um, I do paperwork. This is back when authorized.net gateway was the only way to bill people and you log in and have to put in their full credit card and address and zip code and billing amount and everything else. And pro okay, that was one person. So I do all the right. billing, uh, quote unquote marketing, Yelp, whatever it was going to be, go to bed at one back up at four thirty. So, you know, even if I could afford it, why live somewhere, you know? Right. Besides when you're young and dumb, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so now was the, the name that you had then the same as the name you had now? Did you carry that with you? Urban fitness? Yeah. Yep. So okay. Urban fitness, uh, the original original was, I actually came up with urban fitness, um, when I started training in 06, but we didn't really brand it until, kind of the end, end of 2007. And I must have met you in, I mean, like four or five years ago around. So. You met me around, oh, let's see, because I started well, with a different firm that we did the incorporation with. Okay. Um, but I think I met you probably around 2010, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would think. Okay, yeah, yeah. so um, just trying to get myself geared up here. Um, chronologically so then you live there for two years name staying the same what did you do after that after that two years did you just get an apartment but keep the gym there because you didn't move into this place and was it a year how long ago did you move into the building you bought a commercial building I mean you went big I went big so um, started with this uh, the current location in 2007 um, about two years later, I brought on a couple independent contractors. Okay. And they were contractors for a couple of years. And then I realized that I really wanted to have much more control over the product and the service and the experience. Like I said, I'm, for me, it's all about the experience. It's all about you know, the, the, the user, the client. So I switched over to employees versus contractors um, to be able to do that, right? If, you know, with a contractor, you can't even ask them to show up for a meeting if they don't want to. So switched over to employees, and then in 2012, really significantly changed the business model. We went from about 80% uh, private one-on-one -on -one sessions to currently we're about 3%. So we added wow. team training memberships, semi-privates, and then um, also changed to doing 12-month memberships versus month-to-month. -month. So some okay. pretty significant uh, model changes, um, and at the same time took over the space next door, Okay. Uh, more than doubled in size and connected the two spaces. So now we have both commercial units down here. So that was all in 2012. Um, Urban Fitness name remained the same throughout. So I knew when, because when we spoke, when we were talking in that capacity, there were a lot of changes going on. Yeah. So, and you were, I mean, you have a tremendous amount of energy like I do. And you can kind of go, 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 and you know what you want, and you won't compromise that. But you are only one person, and there was a point that you lost the staff, and you, but there was a reason why this all happened. You ran a seven-person company by yourself. So there's been a number, I mean, there's been a number of ups and downs and, 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 and mistakes. Um, one... I had a very hard time transitioning from being the primary uh, driver of the company to 
hiring and managing a team to deliver the same level of expertise and experience that I was providing my clientele. And that skill set is very different. Having the skill set to manage and inspire and lead a team is very different than you going in and being able to do it yourself. Um, and I struggled a lot with that. I, you know, I was, I was young. <laughs> um, not that that's a crutch by any means, but I, I think it definitely played in. Um, I also was, uh, I also was raised, I'm technically a millennial, but I was raised pretty old school with my parents. Both, you know, my dad was a, owned a construction company. My mother was a baker, uh, both ran their own businesses and it was very much, um, you want it, you go get it. Uh, if you can't afford it, you don't buy it. Uh, so kind of very old school values. Um, I remember at 15, I wanted Jinko jeans. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but Jinko was the, that, that was the jean, right? They're like 50 bucks, which at the time is a lot of money. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to buy you jeans at Sears. If you want Jinko jeans, go get a job and buy them yourself. So she took care of all that, like my needs, anything above and beyond that, that I wanted, go buy it, go get a job. So I started working since I was probably nine, 10 years old, go stack wood or, or mow a lawn or, uh, I worked in greenhouses, I, you name it. Um, so I carried a lot of that with me. And especially, you know, East Coast, I think is a little bit different as well. Um, and that style of management really didn't work well here. Um, the, the, the age and type of uh, employee that I have here just did not respond to that style of, I'm going to tell you once and then we don't talk about it again, you just do it kind of management. So it was a huge learning curve for me. So I, looking back, I think that I've always had, for the most part, really wonderful people um, that I was able to engage with, but I had to learn, you have to have a structured hiring process, you have to have a structured interview process, a structured onboarding process, a structured management process so your team can be successful, right? Having that, you know, what, what key performance indicators let me know that what we've mutually agreed on is being hit, and if not, what you need to do to work on to get better and making sure you have professional development within this role. I didn't know any of that stuff. And so, you know, I brought on these great people and really relied on my personality and, and uh, the relationship to, to try to achieve success, which really did not work out. And it ended up in some very frustrating, uh, and very frustrating, frustrating endings to some relationships. Now, when, you know, I say I lost the whole staff, um, that wasn't the case for everyone. One of my coaches was offered an amazing position uh, in Serbia to coach their, their uh, swim team for a year for strength and conditioning based on uh, his prior experience as well as his experience here. And so I was like, absolutely, go, go do that, that kind of thing. Um, but it, it definitely hit a point where it just, everything kind of happened at once. And, you know, I, I built up this business to be this full-on company and suddenly everyone that was around to run it had kind of, you know, We'd lost them. And so here I am running multiple classes at the same time kind of thing. And I think that uh, when you have your own business and you know what you want and you want it to look, feel, taste, smell a certain way, mm -hmm. as a business owner and your ass is on the line, from a, a one to a 10, you're like a 10 to 12 in, in how you want to portray it and do it. When you hire somebody, like at best they're an eight. And you have to, maybe like a five or six, and so it's, it's almost selling them your brand so that you can get that six to an eight, knowing you're probably not ever going to get a 10 because they don't have their ass on the line and they get right. another job somewhere else. And that's, I mean, being a, a fitness coach 
and providing this experience is one thing. Running the business in the background, that's a totally different thing. And I know, right. like when we were setting this up, I'm like, well, on your Facebook page, and you're like, oh my God, Jen, don't you remember me? <laughs> like, I don't do the social media. <laughs> and oh yeah, you don't, I mean, you ha you can't be everything to everyone and you can't expect other people to be at your level. And there's a, that's a big disconnect Yeah. and, and super hard. Yeah. So you had to, and also you kind of have an entrepreneurial spirit. You wanted to kind of do your own thing in a totally foreign land, which is kind of an entrepreneurial spirit. Are you kidding me? I would be fired in a week. Any company I worked at, yeah. I'm a terrible employee <laughs> terrible. in two weeks. I'm like, oh, I could do your job and I'm, I'm, and I'm out. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> I have real authority issues. I'll be completely honest with you. Well, I, you know what? I wasn't going to point the finger there. <laughs> oh, that's, I've, I've, there's a book called, there's a book by David Rendell called uh, The Freak Factor. It's a phenomenal book and, it, and he basically outlines the whole strength and weaknesses thing and just says, look, if you spent, if you look at what makes you strong as an entrepreneur, they're the, the very last qualities that you want in an employee, but it's what you need as an entrepreneur, right? It would drive everyone else nuts in any other industry you do. So if you spend an equal amount of time working that you would normally spend on developing your weaknesses? No. Develop your strengths with the same amount of energy and see where it takes you. Because exactly. if you're an introvert, be an introvert. If you're an extrovert, be an, don't try to be something you're not. Just go with it. If you're an right. asshole, just be an asshole. That's your thing. Like, just go with it. So I've just kind of embraced that and just been like, well, okay, these are the things I'm good at. These are the things I'm not good at. And right. it is what it is, right? That's true. And then you find people that are good at the things you're not. And they're, they're exactly. resources and they can get it done. Exactly. But you still you still have to know how to be a business owner or run it, right? And yeah. that's, you can be an entrepreneur and ready and have the vision and the plan and everything. But again, there's another disconnect in the, what you want and how to do it running a business. And I know that's been a struggle too, to some degree to you. People would come to you and people would work out and people would hire you and people would want to be there. But then you have to run all the back end, like you said, staying up late at night and inputting all their information. And that stuff's kind of fun all the time. You know, I, one of the biggest things that I had to figure out was, to be completely honest, I actually liked, I mean, I'm totally unmedicated ADHD, right? I thrive off of oh, I have to balance 20 things? Oh my God, yes, please give me five more. Like, I love that. So one of the things that was the hardest for me was what five things do I really need to focus on and what other 20 things most effectively do I delegate? Now, you have to get your company to a point that you can even do that, right? You can afford to even delegate. But assuming that you get to that point, you think like, oh, when I get there, I'll just hire people. Well, it's not just that. It's really figuring out where do you best bring value, right? Do you need to, do you, are you better at ops or are you better at vision? Are you better at you really need to figure out where you are strongest and then hire your weaknesses. And that's, that's tough. That's tough sometimes. Um, balancing that with what money you actually have and what's available and what's, you know, and then when that person comes on actually training them. So, sorry, I feel like I kind of went off on a tangent, but no, it's, you're it's, great. It's perfect. <laughs> so what are your weaknesses in business? What's your biggest struggle? Is it the balance, the hiring, the training? My biggest go? weakness I would say is, um, on the continuous execution side. So I do best saying, okay, uh, we're at whatever, 250 members and we wanna get to 300 by this date. Okay, what needs to happen for us to get there? 
well, based on our current numbers, our conversion is this, our retention is this, we're bringing in this amount of leads, our current marketing efforts are this, we need to ramp these up to achieve this. I like building all that out and saying, okay, you're gonna have ownership of this, you have ownership of this KPI, uh, we're gonna sit down on a weekly basis. If we're three points down, what do you need to do to get us up, right? And you're gonna manage this, 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 and this. Okay, ready, set, go. Now I'm done. That's, that's my strong suit. Where I don't do well is, hey, let's meet every three days and talk about your progress. I hate that. I'm, I'm like, wait, why aren't you just do, just do it, right? So uh, I, I can be really, really good at it for about, I've learned this about myself, for about a month, and then I just, it's just a dive. I, and my team's like, dude, where, where are you? Like, why aren't you managing me? I'm like, why aren't you doing it, right? So it's just, I know that they need that support, and that's, uh, so I would say that, that would be my biggest weakness is, is that continuing, continuous execution side, because what I love is more the, the vision and strategic side. Okay. So yeah. that kind of segues in, you bought the commercial building a year or two ago? Yeah. So basically January of last year, I decided, uh, I had, I had someone ask me some really tough questions. Excuse me. I was trying to figure out where, you know, where do I want to be in five years? What's the ultimate goal? I determined that money uh, was not number one. It was in the top three, but it wasn't number one. For me, um, I don't want to say lifestyle or balance, but I, for lack of a better word, I'll use those, uh, was more important to me. And, and also equal to that, um, the pride that I have around the company and what that company allows me to do. And for me, that really came down to... Um, more control um yeah believe it or not more control right because entrepreneurs don't have control issues enough as it is <laughs> uh, so for me i didn't want to open a second location and to me that leveraged myself way too much it stressed me out way too much to have two leases right that in, in, a, in a tumultuous market i mean the bay area is now the most one of the most expensive markets in the world mm -hmm. um you know, to invest and dedicate and build a location and five years later, if you don't get an option to have to renegotiate and have them double that, like it just, I don't like that. I don't like that level of stress. I like, I love stress, but not like that. Not where I bust my ass and build something and have the option of losing it because of something out of my control. So for that reason, I decided I want to buy a building. I want to, I want to own a real estate. That way when I build and I invest, I can do whatever I want, right? It's all back in my lap as to whether this succeeds or not. So right. uh, yeah, it took about nine months. We submitted over 80 offers. I don't know if you, the market of the Bay Area is nuts right now. And last year was just absolutely crazy. Um, finally got in contract and closed in November uh, of last year. Um, our target open date was May 1st of this year, which clearly <laughs> has not happened. So, <laughs> That kind of uh, that has presented a a whole new uh, a whole new set of uh, challenges uh, emotionally emotionally and professionally that I've never had to deal with before um, to try to to try to take this company to the next level. Because when you're essentially project managing, when you're managing this whole transition, and I understand the owning one location versus owning two, I I totally get that. Um, super smart. I'm with you on that 100%. But everything takes more time, effort, money. 
everything than you ever anticipated. So this has got to have been like, you know, this was an enormous undertaking. I want people to understand like the size of the building, the location that you're at, the paperwork, just all of it. So it had to have been a lot bigger than you anticipated. Yeah, I mean, so I was ready for, I mean, I kind of mentally prepared myself for like, all right, this is pretty much gonna be the biggest project you've ever undertaken. I had no idea. For me, it's, it's um, the hard, I would say the hardest part that's come out of this for me is the waiting game and the pieces I have zero control over. So for example, a typical escrow is 60 days, right? We were in contract for five months. Um, and it was just every step of the way was, you know, basically you're deeper and deeper in, you spent more and more money that is not really yours, right? I mean, it is, but, and you only have a limited amount of funds and then you get to this point where it looks like it's not gonna go through and then you clear that and then, oh my God, it's, there's a 10% chance it's gonna go through and then it goes through and it's just this emotional roller coaster. And then to keep a really long story short, essentially what happened is the bank forgot to ask for a document uh, two days before we moved loan and they demanded it and refused to fund the loan without it. And we, I already invested tens of thousands of dollars into this deal doing, you know, uh, appraisal reports and everything else and, you know, environmental. And so that was, was, uh, extremely emotionally taxing because it was just, it, you had to be, it, it required, um, being so tactful, right? Because you can't just come in with a team of lawyers because they're like, oh, you got lawyers? Check out our lawyers. Buy deal, right? So long story short, fought our way through that. It was basically, they had to assess what's a bigger risk, dealing with me or dealing with me potentially not getting the permit that they wanted. And they decided <laughs> that I was a bigger issue, which is the right choice. Uh, <laughs> Clearly. Right, so then we're like, okay, we made a path. Like there's nothing else that can come up at this point. We're done. Everything's been filed. We're ready to fund. 12 hours before funding, they hit me with a funding restriction letter, which basically restricted any and all funds above and beyond the purchase price of the building. Right. I, it's, always, so, it's always something. And you're running your business at the same time. And I'm trying to run a successful location at the same time. So it's just been, so basically, you know, from that to uh, we want to get drawings done, but we can't get drawings done until... Uh, we have as is drawings. We can't do as is until we've demoed. And so it was just a, a number of steps, but um, yeah, I think the, like I said, the waiting, it's the waiting game and, and not having control and not having control and being basically being in a position where there's a hundred thousand dollars non-refundable. The bank is saying that all the money they were going to give you to make sure you're successful, they're not going to give you until you obtain these three documents that, at minimum, we're going to take you four months to obtain. So you literally have no way of paying the mortgage for this building that they're selling you. Like just up things, right? And you're just like you're setting me up to fail. And they just go, huh? I'm like really? Shoulders? That's it? Just shoulders? <laughs> and then having to go home and face my wife and be like, hey, I know you trust me, and we just leveraged everything that we have in our entire life to make this happen. And just it's just. You just sit there and it's like, you just have tears coming out. You're not even crying. You're just, it's just the emo like the emotional stress is just so much. Um, there's nowhere for it to go, you know? Um, and so in here, you got married. In the middle of all this, I got married. So that pretty much, ha that happened when uh, the whole staff issue basically happened. So we got engaged in, I guess it was 2013. 
And that summer, we got engaged in April. My wife will kill me. It was April 27th. Uh, that summer is when the whole staff issue thing happened. And then we got married in September, uh, which is pretty much in the middle of all of this. Oh, my gosh. So. Well, was, you uh, stuck it out through that, so, you know. We, we yeah. I, we always look at each other like, look, if we got through that, we can get through anything at this point. Right. So then there's there's a lot going on with you. But a big thing is now you have this relationship that you clearly don't want to end and you want it to be healthy. And you say it as uh, being an entrepreneur is like a drug habit you're taking me away from, which is <laughs> that's so Noah of you to say. <laughs> and again, you know, when you're like unmedicated ADHD, I want control over everything. I'm from New York. That should sum it up for everyone. <laughs> so how, how do you find the balance? Because you're, I mean, you're pretty hard. You're driven pretty hard. I think, I mean, I think the biggest change for me was um, somebody gave me a book, which I haven't read, but the title for me says it all, which is what got you, let's see, what got you here won't get you there. And I don't even need to read the book. I, mean, I probably should, but the title for me, I've always remembered it. And the skill, I think back and I start thinking, I think the hardest thing was letting go of, of that specifically, right? Of you, we hold on to like, well, I had to do, you know, I had to survive and I did this and this and this to get here. Okay, absolutely, you, you did. Now, to get to, to, to dominate this next phase of your life, you might need to change tactics, right? Just like anything else, just because it worked, you know, using a certain communication style with this person doesn't mean it's going to work with that person. And right. so that was really hard for me because especially when you go through, you know, when you're working 16, 18 hours a day and just pure hustle and, you know, fuck sleep, just go, go, go. That's great. That's what you've got to do to get to a certain level. But you can't do that in a relationship with someone else. Really? Damn. Know, well, you can, but yeah. So, but it's scary to let go of that because that's what made you successful. And that's your brain keeps remembering. I shouldn't say you, my brain kept remembering that. Right. So, to have to, to have to change that was scary. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was hard to let go of. Um, but that's, I, I think it was, it was a process. Um, but that's kind of what gave me confidence was just remembering that. And it, it made so much sense to me because any other situation I can use as an, as an example, right? Communication is one. I could give you a hundred others in five minutes. So right. typically when that's the case, you know, it's real. <laughs> so, right. So you just use that. Yeah. Because you're, it's not just the hustle. Lots of people have hustle. You really are creating this unique culture. And if you go on the website and the website is urbanfitnessoakland.com, you have this coolest thing. Now I'm in Reno. I'm five hours away from you, four or five hours away from you. So yeah. clearly I can't sign up for your gym, but you can download. How committed are you, Jennifer? What's <laughs> I don't like the word can't let's go <laughs> exactly only you but you have this thing you can download the six critical things to consider when joining a gym and even me and me know no no real possibility of signing up at your gym although that's the culture I would want um, I can still download this and look at it and get the information and figure out okay how do I find the right fit because what you say on your website is true 
you know, when I picture a gym, I picture like the open all night, no one's in the parking lot, maybe right. a little seedy, nothing's as clean as I want. I, I honestly remember going and working out at a gym and having these three guys rotate. I was by myself in a corner because I don't want to be bothered. I just want yeah. to do what my trainer told me to do. And they rotated in with me, which was just stupid. And they're doing um, push-ups. And one of the guys puts his hand on the floor, palm up. And so the guy doing the push-up had to hit his hand, his chest, you know, hit his hand with his chest to show that he went all the way down. And they were like, yeah, if you want to jump in here, I'll spot you. And that's the culture that, <laughs> I, like, I got my I got my shit and I walked out and I never walked into that gym again. And yeah. it wasn't necessarily the gym's fault, but there's, I mean, dude, I'm not here to put my boob in your fist right now in my workout. And right. it's so hard when you're trying to find some place where you really – you really want to feel comfortable, which is one thing, but then, then you have the support, you have the culture, you have the people that say hi to you. No one says hi in the gym when I go, right? unless I already know them. So you're trying to, um, you're building this really unique culture of not just the people that work for you, but the people that sign up at your gym, that they're welcoming and they're helpful and they're what do you need. And that's, that is so above and beyond which I know you know, but it really is. So how, how did you create this model of this culture that's so unique and have people want it? Cause it's not always going to be the right fit. It's not always the right fit. And I, and one of the, um, one of the things that I talk to the team about a lot is um, when we meet that, that client for the first time, you know, if they're coming in for a 30 day intro or they're coming into the gym, just talking to us, it's really about the conversation is both ways, right? It's not us saying like, well, we'll see if you're a good fit for us. No, it's, 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 let's not waste each other's time, right? Like this is the culture that we have here. This, these are, this is what we can help you with. I mean, I had a client uh, a few years ago, my hands down, one of my favorite clients, God, she would come in, she'd be like, no, oh my God, I, I ate, I ate really bad. I'm like, okay, what do you have? She's like, oh, I had French toast for breakfast. I'm like, okay, that's not a big deal. She's like, and a waffle. And ben, Egg Benedict. And I'm like, oh my God, where does this all go? This is like a 120 pound, you know, five foot six. I'm like, where are you putting? Like, oh my God, get, yeah, you, you are terrible. Go over there. And just one of my favorite clients in the world. And she comes to me after a couple of years and she's like, hey, I want to do figure competition. Can you train me for that? And I said, no. I said, I can, but I don't want to because that's not what we do. Right. It's not what we specialize in. It's really not what we do here. It's not really the focus. So I'd rather you find someone that really focuses on that and let them do that. You better stop by every week and say hi and stay, you know, and stay in touch with us, but you know, go to the person that's going to help you best with that. So a big thing that we, that we try to do here and, and a big source of pride for us is, is what you said when people walk in, a lot of times the clients will go up and say hello before even a coach can, and they'll walk them over and be like, Hey, this is Jen. She wants to sign up today. If you can get her set up, like, do you work here? Like what? So, <laughs> but there's no, the, the, the culture is basically, uh, we'll push you, but only to make you better, not to show you that I'm better than you. Right. So, okay. That's a huge thing. to point there's out. A, It's a big difference. And so, so one of the biggest things that I talk to the team about, if you notice on the website, I call my guys coaches, not trainers. And to me, um, the biggest difference is a coach is focused on the bigger picture, right? They carry the same technical knowledge as a trainer and the same whatever. But when people, you ask somebody to describe a trainer, they're like, oh, well, they're, you know, they're knowledgeable. They, they program a good workout. They're, they're motivating. They're whatever else. Okay. 
a coach, a coach's responsibility is to have you come in and be like, I think I can give you a six today. And our job is be like, oh, you want to give me six? Cool. Fuck your six. We're doing eight today. You're like, I don't want to do it. Like, yeah, well, that's why you hired me, right? My job is to make you uncomfortable. My job is to make you, to push you just outside of what you thought was possible or what you are maybe comfortable in. And, and I guess what drives it for me is that carries over into every other area of your life. So mm-hmm. learning to be uncomfortable, learning to, to go just past what you thought you could do is a, is a, is a pattern. And, getting, and learning to be good at that pattern and to, and to do that and to continually do that for yourself carries over into asking for a raise, into having the confidence to maybe do something, start a company you didn't want to start or leave a position you should be leaving or whatever it might be, right? Um, so I think that's, that's kind of a lot of the driver for me is that what we do here um, is, is so much more than, than what we do here, I guess. I know. agree. What we do is just, they're just tools. Squats and, squats and deads are just tools. I don't give a shit how much you can squat a dead unless it allows you to go do something else that makes you successful at something that's actually meaningful to you in life. Right. No, I know. I wish I could. I wish I was willing Committed. to travel <laughs> four hours to work out one way. <laughs> but, and I remember that from five or six years ago. Like, God, what are you going to expand? I think one of my first questions is, why are you, are you moving to Reno? Reno? Yeah. Every time we have a client leave and they're like, oh, I'm moving to Texas or Arizona. Can you open? I'm like, oh, yeah, let me get right on that. So we're yeah. going to have all these random locations in these random states that people are moving to. Could you do that and be there right? for me while you do that at every location? That would be great. Exactly. Right? So the only, I mean, one of the really big issues with any business is plateauing. Yep. Um, because you want to continue to grow, especially when you've grown enough to grow to buy the building. Yep. For example, which is what you did, but it's not even like you said. It's not even about the money, or it's not even about that stuff. For you, you can you could make the same amount of money, but you still want growth. You still want forward momentum. So that is a struggle for everyone. I know it was a struggle for you. So how did you break through that plateau? Because it was like a year and a half. So I'm actually that's pretty much one of the you know when we when we were talking earlier, I said I kind of have like you know, five to 10 things that are all at a level 10 priority. So yeah. that's something I'm dealing with right now um, is the, I put a lot of the focus. Uh, I mean, you see on the website, we have a 97% retention, which is yep. pretty much 180 to the industry, which is about a 90% attrition rate. Um, I put a lot of my focus onto the internal operations of the gym and, and making sure that our current members, that, 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 that we are set up to, to handle that relationship on a continuous basis and in doing so and in putting a lot of the focus to, to purchase the second location uh, didn't really focus a lot on marketing I we always had really great organic growth um, and what basically happened is our we, we grew to a membership number where our retention and our conversion met and we essentially plateaued and I wasn't paying enough attention to to notice it and it's it, it went for about 12 you know 12 18 months so I basically sat down and, and once I established the reason for the plateau, I was like, okay, we need to market. Shit, I hate marketing. I hate everything about it. I don't like I, I don't want to do it. And I've always it's always been a source of pride for me. Like, oh, we don't market. We spend 300 bucks a month on AdWords and that's it. People are like, oh wow, that's what, you know. And for to really go to the next level, that's something we gotta do. So I basically uh, 
immersed myself in marketing. Um, everything about it from bringing on an automation platform and FusionSoft to handle our back end to uh, putting myself in front of uh, experts within a couple groups that I'm in to, um, to reading to just everything that I could possibly find. Um, and essentially establishing what's going to be our strategy for the next six to 12 months um, to, I essentially have to double the amount of leads that, we're, that are coming in. Um, so kind of going back to what I was saying earlier of my strong suit. So I, I did all this. I was like, okay, here's, here's our strategy. And I was like, oh shit, I got to execute on this too. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I'm just going to put this in place. It's just going to run. They're like, uh, no, you need to manage it every week. I'm like, shit. So, um, but it's been good. So um, part of what that meant for us was being uh, more accessible. Um, we started out offering free classes to people. And then about two years in, I stopped doing it because uh, we found people just didn't have good experiences coming in. They were dropping into a class. Uh, where we might be doing kettlebell snatches, they'd never used a kettlebell, they're not gonna have a good experience. Right. So we created this very specific onboard, you know, 30 day onboard because we wanted clients to have a really awesome experience. And for that to happen, we had to control it. So, but the problem is that that really, um, that really bottlenecked our ability to scale as well as it basically meant you either had to spend 99 bucks to come check us out or we didn't talk to you. And that was a problem, right? There's a lot of people that are like, Hey, I'm kind of interested. I want to check it out. And we basically were like, Nope, but give us a hundred bucks. Nope. Bye. So yeah. a lot of it was building out more ways to, to access us and to get to know us and to learn about our brand and to learn about why we're different and come get, you know, maybe try a class. And can we, can we restructure a little bit to be able to offer a class to someone and have them have a good experience and really, so really challenging myself to, to step outside the box of my, my prior, uh, assessment of the situation, uh, which is tough. It's really tough because again, that's how we'd been doing it. Right. What got you here is not going to get you there. So, uh, it's kind of that constant, that constant internal, uh, internal challenge. So it's an evaluation, it's a constant evaluation. It's a constant evaluation. Yeah. Better word. Yeah. So did you pull out the that? pinstripe suit for the marketing? What's that? Did you pull out that pinstripe suit from New York for marketing? After I wore it for Halloween, I dressed up as a pimp and <laughs> Everyone I ran into thought I was a real pimp. This is Oakland, right? They all thought I was an actual pimp. I was like, I can't, I can't wear this for real anymore. So, well, how tall are you? Six four. Yeah, so like, you're not some little guy. No, and I had like a cane. I got a cane and oh, I yeah. home, spray painted it. People were like, oh my god, he's a real pimp. Yeah, so I was like, I can't, I can't. No, <laughs> please God, don't. I mean, it would be fun. It would be a fun marketing like in a joking way the, the fun side of noah you know for marketing for the gym but maybe maybe we could do a video because my whole thing like i hate pushy salesmen yeah and i've started like i've started pushing my philosophy of sales which is really like hey your goals are this this is what we have i think this would be a great fit for you or wouldn't be a great fit for you mm -hmm. none of my staff are paid on commission they're all salaried so it's it's sell them whatever fits them and if it doesn't fit them then it doesn't fit them so that's kind of our sale versus the way you know car salesmen do their pitch and so right. I've, I've started forcing my sales philosophy on everyone so when i go to the car dealership and they're like hey you want to like you know what nobody appreciates that anymore this is why people hate car salesmen because of what you're doing right you know what go read this book i'm gonna come back in a week let's talk about it I'm like who are you <laughs> it's like I'm, i was like i'm spreading the word i'm changing this i can't um but it'd be fun to do a video i could dress up in the suit and pretend to be like a aggressive annoying car salesman and do the yeah that, maybe i know i think i have so I, much time on my hands yeah 
or like, you know, uh, a if you want to look like this, because I want to look like a six foot four, 31 year old man in a pinch. 30, not 31, I'm 30. 30, 30, Jesus. Jesus. Sorry, I'm sorry. Already adding on. <laughs> so you have some trends going here from being in New York to moving, and that's basically, you have constantly put yourself outside of the box and the comfort zone. Would you yes. say that's pretty accurate? Yes. So would that be your advice to someone else? Um, so the cliche saying is if you're not a little scared and uncomfortable, you're not doing it, you're not doing it right. Um, I don't necessarily think I would boil it down to that. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that, um, I don't think it necessarily needs to be uncomfortable or scary. I absolutely have taken risks, but, um, for me, they're always calculated. Um, that's just kind of where I am most comfortable. So I'm not, I'm not one of those people that's going to max out every personal credit card I have to, mm -hmm. to achieve a dream. I'm just not willing to, to commit that, you know, of risking my family and everything else for that kind of, you know what I mean? That's yeah. just me personally. Other people are willing to go that far and that's awesome. You have that level of commitment. you you believe in it that much. Awesome. So there's really no right or wrong, but I think that, um, you, you do have to be willing to, you do have to be willing to step outside the box and challenge everything. I think challenge everything is a big thing. And the, and the, and the other thing that, and this kind of came up, came up for me in the last month or two, um, since I've been doing this, you know, for about 10 years now, I'm, you know, people are starting to come and, and talk to me about, you know, what's it like being an entrepreneur and, and I'm thinking about starting a company. Will you talk to me about it? Mm -hmm. And what I've decided is that if you're interested in being an entrepreneur, you shouldn't talk to another entrepreneur. And the reason why is one, their experience is their experience. That's theirs. And the other is if I like listening to me, listening to myself talk about the struggles that I went through, it sounds terrible. Like it sounds a lot of it's like, Oh my God. Like I would never, if you told me what it was going to be, I may not have done it. But when you're in it, you fucking love it. Like you can't, yeah, you're on three hours of sleep, but so what? Cause you're going to get, so when you look back though, it's, it's totally different. And the same thing, I think when you look in from the outside, um, it just sounds like this, Oh, I worked really hard and then I got to this great place. And so for me, I think as an entrepreneur, you really need to just do you like, if you believe in something, the, the best advice I would say is, you will, you will succeed if you go after it harder than anybody else is willing to go after it. And I, and I, I'm stealing this from somebody else, but work when nobody else is working. You know, I used to love to work at 1am because I know nobody else is up and I'm getting ahead. So, you know, uh, be willing to challenge yourself, willing to challenge everything that you believe in. If you think something can be done better, then do it better. And the worst thing that happens is you were wrong. Okay, move on. Uh, be willing to look at, I mean, a lot of these things are, are really cliche, but that I can tell you having been through them a million times, just get really good at fucking up and moving forward. Awesome. Like my, my favorite thing is every wall, super quick story. Um, super quick story. My lease was expiring at this current location and I wanted to move into the space next door and it didn't look like it was going to happen. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go look for spaces. Went, looked, found a space, loved it. Had a great relationship with the broker. We submitted a, uh, we spent time together. We submitted a proposal. It was, I met the owner who was friends with the governor, of Jerry Brown, who was one of the owners of the building. 
oh, we're going to bring him to your open. It was amazing. It would be great. Came back. Uh, or Sorry, I never even heard from them. So I followed up, and they're like, oh, your offer was so bad. We're not even going to we, – we, we weren't even going to call you. Wow. I had put all my eggs in this basket, all of them. I literally came home. This is so sad. I literally came home and was eating ice cream on the couch. It's super cliche. I was just like, I'm whatever. In your underwear. It only is a cliche. In my underwear. Exactly. In my underwear. Exactly. And I wasn't crying. I was just like, fuck. I'm just so like, I'm done, right? So I'm eating ice cream. And then my friend in LA, she's kind of like a business coach, was calling me. And and she called me like three. I was like, I don't want to talk to you. I kept silent. She called me again. I'm like, God damn, I answered. She's like, like, what happened today? Did you get it? And I was like, no, like this happened. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, sitting on the couch eating ice cream she's like are you fucking kidding me are you serious you so you hit one wall and that's it you're done are you like no not acceptable go fucking find another building and i was like well she's like stop and she just called me out and i i never i've never forgotten that and so what i took away from that was you're gonna you're gonna everyone's gonna hit walls everyone hits walls the people that succeed are the ones that are the best at getting over, through, or around it. Figure out your best style, what you're most comfortable with, and figure out what's appropriate for that situation. I personally like going through things. That's just yes. personal preference. <laughs> uh, but if you're, you want to go around, go around it. But the people that learn to be really good at that, you will be, more, you will be the most successful. Because I used to think, oh, they just, you know, they had it easy. No. Everyone had walls. Everyone had walls. They just learned to be better at getting through, around, or over them. So I think that's kind of what it's boiled down to for me. Awesome. Noah, thank you so much. You can be found on urbanfitnessoakland.com. And basically from there, you can find anything. But if you're looking for a great gym in the California area or anywhere just outside of Reno. <laughs> <laughs> if you're it, really committed anywhere this side of Nevada, we're Noah, you need to have more committed, committed friends. <laughs> that could translate to friends who should be committed. And that exactly. I'm automatically me. gauging your commitment by only having one location. It's pure strategy, Jennifer. It's pure strategy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Of course. Thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Like, share, and of course, comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon, Hello, My Name is Warrior Princess, or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more, sign up for one of my coaching packages.